I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Welcome, welcome. I'm here with Alex Sharfin, and I am so excited because I actually have had this on the books for a few months, and he is, he is a hard guy to uh, get on the calendar. And so this is very exciting. I'm actually in his program. He has a company called Simple Operations, and boy, did we need this help. Actually, it's funny because I, I'm in this program with, with Alex, and I mean, this guy is amazing. I will let you talk in a second, but first, I got to tell you about this guy <laughs> because um, I first came across him at this... Um, mastermind that I'm in called War Room, which is, I don't know, 300, seven, eight, nine plus figure earners. And, you know, I'm one of like the very few women in this program. And he gets up on stage and he talks about like all, all this amazing stuff about entrepreneur, like the entrepreneurial um personality type, you call it EPT, entrepreneurial personality type and all these accolades. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. And then at lunch, right after that, I was like, I ended up like asking you, asking Alex a question. And we had this conversation at lunch where he basically was, I was telling him all my problems this is what I do. I like vomit here, all my problems. And he's like talking about trauma and all this urgency and how, so we can get into that. But I was like, oh my gosh, like I really need this guy's help. And funny thing is like a couple months later, I'm on the plane listening to his podcast and I'm listening to this episode and I'm like, this one looks interesting to me. It's all about urgency. And I'm really telling the story that I was just telling about sitting next to me at lunch. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is kind of a compliment that I'm like on his podcast, but um, not the way I necessarily wanted to be. And so uh, I was like, that's, and I, I don't get embarrassed. So I can't say that's embarrassing, but I was almost proud of it. I'm like, yeah, like I made it to the podcast, but like, he's so right. Like I need help. And so I joined his program, ended up working with him. And he's, um, I mean, he's had multiple companies go to multiple millions. He has helped um, Fortune 500 companies as a consultant for years. Uh, he doesn't seem old enough to have all these accolades. Um, he's He's been, I think, as high as you said, 21 on the Inc. list and, yeah. and multiple other times at Inc. list. I know you took a company, I think, from nothing to almost uh, $10 million in like three years. Did I get that right? Four years. Yeah. Four years. Oh, I'm sorry. I so exaggerated. So this guy is just ridiculous. Like, so I was so excited to, ha I'm so excited to have you on the podcast and help these ladies grow their business in a way that's, you, you definitely have different ideas and it's an extremely motivating for me. And it's very, very real. And, and I, I love your willingness to be vulnerable. So tell them a little about your background and, and kind of, um, just how I, we can just go into the, start with the entrepreneurial personality type. So we know where you're coming from and what you believe in regards to that. Yeah, you got it, Robin. And thank you for having me on the podcast. I, I consider this an awesome opportunity. You know, you're in our mastermind. So, you know, you know, you go to most business masterminds, like you stated, and the it's there's one or two women in the room. And when you come to ours, it's about half and half. And, you know, I, I think that the um, inclusion and the attraction of having women in business masterminds is crucially important because, 
for so long, it hasn't been that way. And I get uncomfortable when I go to masterminds and it's a hundred percent men and, or, or 90% men, it's, it's uncomfortable for me because I think women have so many gifts that we need in the entrepreneurial world that we need in the business world. So I'm really excited to be here with you. And, and that's, so- and that's kind of just to, to add to that, like around the industry, like that's why it's so important to have more women in the industry have a bigger footprint in the industry because it's hurting the world where we have a male dominated industry, especially with something that's so significant as money that affects people every single day. So, um, I'm glad you feel that way. I mean, I actually mostly have women on the podcast and then I get a token dude every once in a while. And like, they're so supportive of the women. And I'm like, oh gosh, like we, we actually need the men to support instead of just being like, oh, we women are going to unite without you. So, um, thanks for being part of this. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. And so you asked about the entrepreneurial personality type. You know, um, I've spent most of my life studying success and studying um, people who are successful. When I was a kid, I was awkward both socially and, uh, you know, did just in about every way. I was awkward with the other kids my age. I was awkward with adults. I can remember as a kid, adults used to attenuate their voice. They'd say like, oh, look, it's Trevor and Robin and Alex. And I knew that was happening. And so when I was a kid, I thought I was so distant from success that I didn't know if I would ever get there. And so I started reading personal development books when I was really little, like 10, 11 years old. And so, you know, I'm in grade school reading Dr. Wayne Dyer and Tony Robbins and Bander and Grindler. And I remember, you know, a a teacher would say like, okay, we're going to do our math. And I'd be like, but what's the intention? What's our inspiration? So I became even more awkward. And um, if you read enough personal development books, especially when you're young, they start to conflict with each other. And so I started, instead of reading those books, I started reading about successful people. And there was this incredible um, validation in reading about successful people because I felt like I was so different. Like I was a party of one, like I was the only person like me. And then I read about Thomas Edison that got sent home from school at five years old. Cause he was too slow. And I read about Albert Einstein that, that failed algebra twice. And when I read that story, I was actually failing algebra. So it was, you know, I came home and told my mom like, Hey, we're good. You know? <laughs> and, and the more, the more I read about successful people, the more I found that we're fundamentally different and we see the world differently and we have different tendencies and different sensitivities. And so I wrote this book called the entrepreneurial personality type about people who are like us. And I have this theory that the entrepreneurs of today are the evolutionary hunters of yesterday. And if we went back 10,000 years ago and it was, you know, no technology and no society and none of the things that we have today, people like you and I would get up every morning we gather our tribe around us and we go out on the hunt. And when you look at what entrepreneurs do today, we get up every morning and we go into the future, we create a new reality, and then we come back to the present and we demand it becomes real. And when I look at who we are in the world, you know, everything around us was created by an entrepreneur and everything we use today was created by one of us. And, you know, we are that small percentage of the population that evolves humanity and makes the world a better place. And I love the definitiveness of that too. It's not like, you know, we might, or we kind of do like, I love that. It's like, this is who we are and what we do. And I, this is actually really important for those of you listening to think about when you're thinking who the people that I want to attract, what you're taught in the industry is to attract everyone and just at least the high net worth clients, everyone who has money, anyone with a pulse, anyone three foot rule, anyone, your family, friends, all that stuff, especially when you first start. And then you don't want to 
say anything that could possibly hurt someone or disappoint anyone who might not work with you because God forbid, it has to just apply to everyone. And so then you are the jack of all trades and no one respects you and you have no credibility, you have no authority because you just can't take a stand. And one of the things I love about you is that you're not afraid to take a stand and you just take a stand as if it's a fact. And, and you're like, it is a fact. Like if we were to have this conversation, you'd be like, of course it's a fact, like entrepreneurs rule the world. Like, and you can prove it because you've read enough books to prove it. And it could take Apple. We take Amazon. We take all the, I mean, this is true. Like entrepreneurs are, are, are taking us to the future. And I remember at um, an event that I was at, at your, at your event recently that you said, like, it doesn't matter what problems we have in the world right now, including global warming and like, Oh, I mean, there's so many problems in the world and I can take not to go there, but Roe versus Wade, like just, you know, losing rights and things like that. And you're like, doesn't matter because entrepreneurs will solve it. You know, we'll just, we'll just solve it because any problem we have, we'll just solve it. And then we'll have another problem and we'll just solve it. And so I love that confidence, that conviction. And that's, I think conviction comes from, we, we always say, my husband and I, we always say that confidence convinces conviction closes. Because yeah. when you're in a sales conversation, you can be confident, confident and, and strong arm it to get someone to the other side to become your client. But it's a conviction that you've been there. That's like you just get that belief and then they want to go forward with you. And you have so much conviction because of your past and what you've done and how how many lives you've changed and how many entrepreneurs you've helped to create massive, massive success that it's just a fact. And I love that. So I think um, one thing I, I think is I'm kind of curious about in regards to the entrepreneurial personality type is I think a lot of women come into this industry from a job, right? And they they were successful in a job and they even in a, a manager position or a leadership role. And then they come into the financial industry and it's disguised as, you know, just another job where you're helping people with their money. But truly it's it's a sales position that they don't actually tell you about. Um, and it's a business owner position. It's an entrepreneurial position that I think I sometimes talk to women and I'm like, are you sure you want this? Because they don't like their job. So no one wants to stay in a job, but, and I'm not saying, I guess I'm curious from your perspective, like, do you got to be born? Like, do you have to be born like an entrepreneur or can, can you become an entrepreneur? Because it's like, I don't want to tell people listening to this, like, just give up now. But there are some times like you don't have the mindset or you don't have the right beliefs that like you can get there, that you, you can lead in that way. And I, I don't know if that's an innate thing or it's a developed thing, or if it's something that can be both. You know, I think I, I have a different perspective on it. I think that so many of us, especially women who lean towards entrepreneurship have been societally conditioned that they shouldn't want this, that they shouldn't be ambitious and they shouldn't want more and they shouldn't want to change their lives and they should be happy with what they have and they should be complacent and they should, um, you know, accept what, what they're getting and they should be grateful for what is around them. And so when you say, you know, are entrepreneurs born or is an innate or, you know, how does it actually develop? Here's, here's what I believe. I believe that if somebody moves towards a profession like the financial industry, if somebody's moving away from a job, if somebody's moving away from that higher level of having somebody control them and they want to be more independent, then you're one of us. And if you are leaning in this direction, if it's something that you're thinking about doing, if it's something that you've already done and you're questioning yourself, I want to help you absolve those questions. I want to help you resolve those questions because here's the reality of entrepreneurship. If you look back through every story of successful human beings, they have faced adversity, they have faced challenges, they have had all kinds of issues. And the reality is if you look at any 
person who's been successful, they have had to overcome objective. They're, uh, they've had to overcome obstacles. And if somebody is moving in this direction, here's what I would tell you. If you are wanting more independence, if you live for momentum, if you feel like you're not getting enough where you are, then lean in. Because if you look through history, there is, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what issue or challenge or crisis or diagnosis or family situation or life situation you're dealing with. Somebody just like us has been there before and has overcome that and become successful. And a lot of them have gone on to change the world. And so if you feel like this is something you want to do, then I would confirm for you, you are meant to be here and you should lean in and, and push yourself to go to the next level and understand more so that you can get the momentum that you want. You know, I define the entrepreneurial personality type as a physiological, physiologically sensitive momentum-based being that is highly reactive to constraint. And if you feel that, if you feel like you, you know, you, you feel things around you, you don't like to have constraint. You don't like people telling you what to do. You live for momentum, you know, the, where the world's following in your wake, where you're making things happen, where you're, you're achieving and you're accomplishing, then this is exactly where you should be. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, a lot of times, one of the things we're working on with these ladies, and, and I agree, I think there's a lot of societal push, obviously, towards the constraint and keeping us quiet and keeping us, you know, kind of um, in this box. I actually was in San Diego not too long ago, and I was outside. It was I was at two masterminds, and I was in between them, right? So I had a day in between masterminds, and one was actually Flight Club Mastermind, which I love, which is both men and women, and the other is the Unicorn Club, which is these extremely successful women um, that are you know seven, eight, nine figure companies. Um, and I had this one day in between, and so I was outside on the balcony, and I'm by the water, and this I hear this like, sea lion. Go, ur, ur. A sea lion bark. And I was like writing and I was going to write an email to promote my event. And I was like, how can I use that? So I go and Google like sea lions, why they bark. And it says like the first thing that pops up is that sea lions bark to protect their territory. And so I wrote an email about how is this what's happening in the financial industry that men are just protecting their territory. And there's like this, this like push down for, you know, women to not have a voice, to not be, be able to be heard, even though they want to break out. It's like they, even this, you know, in my event that I'm, I'm actually currently running right now, not at the second, but someone else is running it. But this woman was saying how, you know, we're taught, we, we got to wear the suit, we got to put play the part. And I'm like, no, we got to break out of that. But we're constantly being told this is what's right. This is what's not. And almost like they're protecting their territory, you know, like they're protecting from that. And um, one of the things that came up that we were talking about before we started recording was just that you're taught no vulnerability. Do not share these things. Don't let people know, you know, about that you, you struggled as a kid or you struggled with money. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, that's exactly what will connect with them to be real with them. And allow them like you to be you and to have a voice instead of playing this game, like playing this, playing small. And so when you're saying that, that like women have kind of been conditioned to be like that. And I mean, I think that's very true. And when I was an advisor, I did the same. I wore the suit and I kind of played the role until I finally gave myself permission to be me and, and break out of those constraints and those, that box. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> it's interesting, Robin. Um, I think that th there's so much conditioning around playing the role 
And there's so much conditioning around not sharing what's really going on and not who you are and what's really happening for you. And I'll, I'll share a quick personal story. You know, we were number 21 on the Inc. 500 list in 2011, but the origins of that company were actually super challenging. Katie, my wife and I ran a real estate company in the early 2000s in South Florida. And in 2007, we went bankrupt. It was one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. You know, we had um, real estate holdings that all of a sudden were worth so much less than what we owed. We had businesses that were making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month and went to making thousands, like a few thousand, maybe 10,000. And, you know, it was one of the, like when I, when you talk about vulnerability, I remember the day where we were going through the, the, the discharge of our bankruptcy and we were proving to the trustee, everything that we had in our lives. And we had to give him a list of all of our possessions. Cause when you're bankrupt, you own nothing. The trustee now owns everything. And the one thing that he hit on was my wife's engagement ring. And he asked us to get a estimate on the engagement ring. And I had to take my wife's ring. I remember going to her and saying, Hey, Katie, this is what we have to do. I had to take it off her finger, probably for the first time she didn't have it with her since I had given it to her and go to pawn shops in South Florida and get a fire sale price on the ring. It was excruciating. And I want everyone to know if you've never been in a pawn shop, they do not look like the really nice ones on TV. Mm -hmm. And I had to go from shop to shop and they gave me these estimates and I had to take those back to the trustee. And it was one of the most challenging times in my life. And at the same time, we were starting this business in real estate called the Certified Distressed Property Expert designation. And there was no way I could go out and market myself without saying what was really going on. And so here I went out to the real estate industry and we introduced this designation for real estate agents to help people that were in distress. And part of the story that I told was going bankrupt and taking my wife's ring to pawn shops. And there's a huge amount of vulnerability in that. And it was scary the first time that I did it, but we ended up working with every major lender, most major brokerages with the U S government, the, the HFA, the FHFA, the department of the treasury. I sat two seats or one seat away from director Lockhart, who like literally director Lockhart of the U S treasury who met with Obama on a weekly basis. We were, we were at the same table and I ended up at that table And the origins were telling the story of going bankrupt. And so when somebody says, you know, you can't show vulnerability, what I hear them really saying is you can't show authenticity and you can't show who you are. And in today's market, in every market, the more authentic someone is, the more real someone is, the more attractive they are and the more magnetic they become. And, you know, when, when we, when we show vulnerability, it makes us feel like we're small, but to the world around us, we look massive. We look giant, we look powerful and we look strong. And I think that the financial services industry, which, you know, I have some experience in as a customer is one of the most frustrating and plastic and closed off and fake industries that there is. And I think that your entire audience has this opportunity to be different and to share vulnerability and to share personal stories and to, to show that I have this history that allows me to empathize with you at a level that most people aren't even willing to share. And just to close that story off, we ended up getting a fire sale value on my wife's ring. We were able to get it back. She still has it. People always ask me what happened to the ring. So Mm -hmm. I forget to tell the end of that story sometimes, but, um, 
you know, that business that literally in the slide deck, when I used to go out and present, had the story of bankruptcy, ended up being the 21st fastest growing company in the country. And so anyone who's afraid of sharing vulnerability, you have to know that to the world around you, they, everybody knows human beings are vulnerable. Everybody knows we all have challenges, 100% of us. When you're willing to share those and be real and be authentic, that's when you will, will become the most magnetic. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think I, I didn't used to believe that. And I really thought like I had to fake it till I make it. I had to pretend to be someone who was more successful. And while I was a financial advisor and I was going in, into debt, I don't think probably the m- most you know engaging thing to talk about was how I was broke while I was trying to help them with their money. So you got to choose your stories wisely. But um, But now even as I help female advisors grow their business. I mean, I just told the story with these, you know, I have all these women online right now at this event. And I was telling them how two months ago, I lost $60,000 in two days and how, how hard that was for me and how I got over it. And, and, and what that, like, it really made me realize how important it is to become the person I meant to be like, that's why I'm given the lesson. And interestingly enough, I told that earlier today, this is today's our first day. And then later we're talking about vulnerability. I'm like, how many of you feel like vulnerability is weakness? And half of them raise their hand. And I I talked to them about how it's actually allows you to connect and to resonate. And then I said, when I told you that story, how I lost money, when I told you the story of how I was a broke financial advisor, and when I told you the story and I kept going this story and this story of all the vulnerabilities said, how many of you felt closer to me and felt like we we were actually connected and Mm -hmm. every single one of them raised their hand. And so it's, it's so easy to prove it. You know, people don't lie about that stuff, but especially with this, this thing called zoom fatigue, you know, it's like, there's no such thing as zoom fatigue. It's just boring fatigue. It's like, yeah, it's really like makes me tired if you're very boring. Um, So if you're engaging and if you're vulnerable and you tell real stories, like you can be across the world with people today and be helping them. But if you're, if you're following a system where you're like trying to sell them what I call selling the box, like the vehicle, the, the 529 plan, the retirement fund, whatever, it's like, yeah, you're going to get the people who know they want it and you're going to miss the people who think they don't. And you're losing all the people who are just scared because what allows them to disarm themselves from that fear is this like connection and this permission to be vulnerable because you're vulnerable as well. So I love that. Um, what what else like is really big for you as far as like how can they utilize understanding this entrepreneurial personality type to improve, you know, grow their, their business, improve their success, improve who they are. Like what are a couple other components that will really help them to embrace those things? Well, Robin, I think that right now there's a very exciting opportunity for every woman who's involved in the financial industry and the market has brought it to you. And here's what I'm talking about. You know, we are in what many would call a crisis market. We just had inflationary numbers come out this week and they are at the highest point they've been in 40 years. And what happens when we get into a crisis market, you know, I think we're going to, we're going to see some crisis, some challenges for a number of years here. And just because financial cycles are what they are in 2025, 26, we're probably going to see even a higher level of challenge and crisis. Now, here's why this is such a huge opportunity for everybody listening. 
during a crisis market, during any market, you can be successful. But during a crisis market is where people in the market are looking for what's new. They're looking for what's different. The new solution, the different solution is the one that gets accepted in a crisis market. When I went bankrupt, it was during a crisis market. So I did some research on crisis and I realized, you know, you just, it doesn't take much. And you can see how many massive corporations were started in the middle of a crisis. Historically, companies like Revlon, IBM, FedEx, uh, tons of companies, Hewlett Packard, were studied. Were started at the beginnings of crisis. In the last crisis, Tesla and SpaceX were started. You look at these companies, and they're massive now. And why? The new solution, the novel solution, the person that looks different, the person that talks different, the person that does not fit into that box, is the person that people are actually looking for. And I think that in so many ways in the financial industry, women show up and think, "Am I going to be accepted?" And here's here's how I look at it. If, if you're trying to fit into a box that was made by somebody else, if you're trying to fit into a box that was traditionally occupied by a masculine male figure, it's going to be hard for you to be accepted. But if you're willing to lean into your strengths and understand who you are, and like you said, choose your stories right wisely, but tell your personal financial stories, you will create a level of connection that is rarely seen in this market. You know, most of what's sold in the financial industry is the suit and tie. And, you know, I know more than you do, and I have secrets that you don't. And when you can sit down with somebody and understand their personal story and empathize with them, which I've managed men and women. I've worked with men and women as a coach and as a consultant and women are far better. They have a natural tendency to be far, far more empathetic and to understand the human condition better. Lean into that strength that you have and don't be afraid of it. I think that when you look at so much of the traditional training in your industry, it actually turns all of that off. I would say turning all of that on is the way that you break through all of the noise and the chatter and the challenges that people have in this specific space. And then you also attract the people you want. I actually did a podcast with this other woman and she said, she was, she was a copywriter and she said, you have to be, you have to think about who you're willing to disappoint, which I love yeah. because I'm always like talking about attracting the right person. Who is that one person you want to attract? And let's clone that person. And which is a, a different way of looking at it. And I love the way I teach it, of course, because it's me. But I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I love that idea that like, because we women, especially, we don't want to be judged. We don't want someone to be disappointed in us. We want to work with like, if someone wants our help, it's really hard for us to say no. So if, but if we can just accept that I'm willing to disappoint maybe, you know, the, the old guy who wants a traditional suit and tie dude. That's just like him and playing golf. I mean, when I first became a financial advisor, I watched this video, this guy who, you know, he was talking like this, holding his, his hands together, like the president or something and in a prayer position and, and, and basically saying how, here's how you can get to high net worth clients. I'm 29 years old, by the way, a female in the industry. And he says, you go golfing with them, all the high net worth buddies. And I was like, dude, I don't have any high net worth buddies. I don't know how to golf. Like, give me another strategy, man. Like, can you imagine I show up with like, I don't know what a handicap is, but I heard about it. You know, like, let me, let me jump in here. And like, those are not the people I want to attract. You know, I, I got to find other ways. And there's plenty of people who are like you or resonate with you or like your weirdness, your awkwardness, your craziness um, that will want to work with you and that you can totally help. So um, I know I'm not asking questions, but I get so passionate about this too. Like Alex, we can like riff about this all day long. Cause I'm like, yes. And yes. And yes. And like, I got to add to that. Um, so what, what's some specific things that they can do so they can show up as them and attract the people they want and to be able to really step out there and grow their business the way that they want to do it, especially in a crisis. 
You know, I think Robin, it's, it's a lot of what we've talked about. It's understanding that when people know who you are and your personal stories and why you're doing what you do, here, here's what I, I believe. A lot of people might think that they accidentally ended up in this industry, but the reality is if you go back through your history and you look at what were the challenges you've had with money, what are the challenges you've had with wealth? What are the issues that you've had with understanding these things? There is a reason why you're sitting in the chair that you are. And if you can unearth that in your background and you can bring that to the surface and share that vulnerably and real and in an authentic way with people that they can hear who you are, it doesn't matter what name's on your business card, what brand is on your business card. It doesn't matter what product or vehicle you're selling. They're going to connect to you as an individual. You know, when I look at the attorney that we've had for over a decade, when I look at my tax advisor, when I look at my insurance advisor, when I look at the, the people who, who I work with, I know them personally and I know their story. And most of them happen to be women. And there, there's a reason because I want somebody who empathizes with me. I want somebody who understands who I am. I want somebody who doesn't just see me as another account that you can go out and play golf with and get a bunch of referrals with. You know, I, I want someone who actually leans in and cares about who I am and what I'm doing. And I think when you, if you really consider who you are, if you're listening to this podcast, that's probably exactly who you are. You show people that by showing them your story, your vulnerability, your, your, the realities of why you ended up here. And if there's any fear in doing that, my suggestion would be to start trying and see just how much it changes the interactions you have. And if there's somebody who says, oh, well, you know, I went with this other guy because he, you know, it has always been wealthy. He's always been successful. He's always had whatever. That wasn't your client. When you share personally and vulnerably who you are, you will attract the people that not just you can serve, but the people you want to serve. So good. So good. And it's, I think it's hard for people to let go of like the, here's, here, here's how they tell you to do it. And it's like, let me tell you about my company. And then it's all about, you know, edifying the company. This company is amazing. Company is amazing. Now let me tell you, uh, you know, about me. And then the about me is never the real about me. It's your quote unquote, why, which is like, I was really excited to get in the business because I wanted to help people with their money. And, and usually, I don't think anyone, usually not everybody, but shares their story. You know, one of my clients, um, she's a very young widow and she lost her husband um, when she had three kids and she actually got into the industry because her advisor was great when she lost her husband and she felt like he really changed her life. And so she wanted to help others. And her first, you know, when she first got in, she was like making no money and still like three kids, you know, single mom and trying to spread out the insurance that they had just so they can survive. And like, like she was so grateful they had insurance because otherwise she wouldn't have been able to do it, you know, and she wouldn't have been able to start a new career. And she became a financial advisor. And now she has her own firm and she's doing amazing. And she shares that story. And because she shares her story, and she talks about the fact that what she dealt with and how she got there and like she's working with widows and she's really transforming their lives. Of course, they would want to work with her because she understands. And it's not part of the script. That's not usually part of the script to share that much. And maybe some will tell you yes, but usually it's let me tell you about my company. Let me tell you about me. Let me educate you about markets or something like that. Then I'm going to do a fact finder, look where the gaps are, where's the money, and then, you know, quick goals. And then let me start you off with something to get you going, you know? Yeah. So you got to be willing to like revamp your process in a way that's aligned with your values. Um, so I'm just, in, I, I mean, I'm just so aligned with what you're saying. Give them any, any last tips or anything to just send them on their way about like what recommendation you'd have or what something to think about so they can incorporate this right away. 
Yeah. You know what? I think that, that what, what happens to a lot of people who get into entrepreneurship is that they sacrifice who they are to create the business that they want. And they think that that's how it has to be. And what I would say is if you are new to entrepreneurship, if you're new to running your own business, if you're new to being independent, then the, one of the most important things you can do is take care of yourself and continue to really lean into the things that make you a stronger person. So make sure that you don't ever buy into that line that in in order to be successful, you have to sacrifice who you are. You don't, you know, Robin, it's funny when we were talking, I just, I, I was just thinking of, of the attorney that Katie and I've had for over a decade. Her name's Elizabeth Morgan. And I know her personal story. The reason she became an attorney was when she was very young, her father was an entrepreneur and he kept getting into deals that didn't work out. And he kept having issues that really challenged their family. And so at 13 or 14 years old, she started writing all of his, reading all of his contracts and then started writing contracts and started, you know, like working side by side with him and hearing that story of her family's vulnerability, the challenges that they had attached me to Elizabeth. And if you're talking about the company that you're selling and you're talking about the products that you're selling, you know what everybody else talks about? The company and the products. I know Elizabeth's personal story and I know how vested she is in my success. And so it would be near impossible for an, another attorney to come in and take my, my business. And so the more that you connect with people, the more you take care of yourself and show up as yourself, the more that you treat your, yourself in a way that, you know, you're not making that sacrifice and that exchange and you see it as integrating your life and your business, the more successful you're going to be. So good. So good. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I could do this for two hours. I know you don't have the time, but um, thank you so much. I know the listeners love this perspective and it's a different perspective. It's such a relevant perspective, especially today. And it's like, this is what has to happen. There has to be a drastic change and that's how we'll change the world. And we can't just go with the status quo and keep doing it the old way. It's just not going to work. So this is beautiful. This is awesome. Um, and thank you all for joining us on Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. We'll see you next time. Bye. I actually have the link for the tag challenge, the appointment generator challenge. So instead you can just go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register right now so that you can get five quality appointments in just five days. Now, this is not around, you know, you having to talk to friends and family and get all awkward. This is not about you having to spend marketing dollars online or create a whole funnel. This is going to be easy. It's simple. It happens in five days. If I can get you five quality appointments in five days, then you know that you can have the best year of your life because you just need to get in front of more of the right people. We will walk through it together as we do it. So do not miss this. And if you can, if you're smart, do VIP, spend a few extra bucks and you can actually spend time with me on Zoom where I can connect with you, get to know you and really help you get those quality appointments so that you can grow your business. And um, go ahead again, register at femalefinancialadvisors.com. You'll find it all there. It's happening, coming up very, very soon. So make sure to register, claim your spot, get in on this, get excited about it, block your calendar because you need to spend about an hour to an hour and a half uh, a day with me on the Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that you can get these results. And it does work. The most appointments I think we got in those five days, uh, someone, I think it was Dana, got 33 appointments. So you could be my best student and go well beyond the five quality appointments. Go to 10, go to 15, go to 20, and set your, yourself up for the best year ever. Can't wait to see you at the Tag Challenge. See you there. Thank you again for listening to Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.